Good evening, everyone. We're welcome to church. And this is not a Sunday, this is a Wednesday. So we can serve God in the first day of the week and serve God in the middle of the week and carry on every day serving God. Praise God and come and gather and fellowship like this. So I'd like to just walk us through a little and something quick and I'd like us to really very much I want these things to be very practical to us and very real let's not let it not just be something as abstract that you can't reach for let it not be something out there I want you to come and we want we really want God to really do a work in us we don't want to just come and then be educated in here and what God wants to is to transform our hearts not just our heads he doesn't want to fill us with information he wants us to really have this information but apply it to our hearts because that's when change really happens praise God you can be church you can be in church all your life and still remain the same way just attending services and allowing it to fill your heads up you know the scriptures but you still don't apply scriptures praise God you know the scriptures but you still do the things that the scripture says you shouldn't do and and really God instructs us in his word and his word is to instruct us praise God and really if we really take his words to our hearts that is when it really does the job that is meant to do because God's word is powerful and if it goes out it doesn't go out and come back it goes out and accomplishes what is said because we serve a God that says and it does praise God so if he's saying something and there's no results it means that you're not doing something praise God and his word is for doing his word is not just for hearing praise God James encourages us in that light. So I'll continue on something that I started previously, and I really want to walk us through this thing because it's very much laid in my heart, and it's just that love, divine connection to God and then others. And I'll just finish off because I hadn't even started. Praise God. So I, I, I want to start off by painting a picture and telling us something very real and practical that how many of us know the River Jordan? Praise God. We know the River Jordan, right? Or we don't, we're not sure whether the one I'm talking about is the one that you think you know. Praise God. It's the one that's in the Bible and the one, and you know that it's not a fake river, it's a real, it's not a fiction. Praise God. And the interesting thing about the river is that the river comes down and stops at a spot. There's another river or sea that, as it referred to, and it's called the Dead Sea. Praise God. How many of us know the Dead Sea? I've heard of it. Praise God. And it's called the Dead Sea because is a dead sea praise god it's called a dead sea because nothing lives there and i want to explain to us why nothing lives there because the river jordan itself flows right and then it comes and it ends at the point which is the dead sea and that is the lowest point on earth and people go to the dead sea yeah there's a whole lot of things facts around about it but one interesting thing that hits me every time i think about the dead sea is the fact that nothing actually grows there Nothing actually thrives in that water because of the high salt content in the water. But there, it has benefits, it has uses. But notice that because there's no flow, it stops. Everything finds its way and stops there, praise God. And, and dead means that the only thing, and, and some people are aware that you can't drown in that water. No matter how bad of a swimmer you are, you can't drown in that water. So it means that even you, self, you can't enter inside it to tell you how, how dead it is. It can allow you, it, it can't drown you, praise God. And nothing lives there, it doesn't drown. In fact, what people do there, they just go and take the salt and use it for beauty purposes and all of those health. People go there and then immerse themselves in the salt for treatment, other treatments other than what a typical body of water should do, praise God. It should create life. And I think, um, I think Ezekiel speaks of a river that flows, that anywhere that river comes, life comes around about it. It means that in, in reality, as 
Christians, if there's no flow in our lives, there's bound to be a deadness, praise God. There's bound to be a deadness in the sense that God created us to be conduits of that thing he has deposited in us, praise God. It means that whatever light he shines on us, we are meant to reflect that light. It means that we're reflectors of God's divine light in a sense. And for you to reflect something, it means that you have to be in a place where you can receive that thing to reflect it, praise God. And speaking about God's divine love, if we have not received that love, we cannot reflect that love. And you can't be receiving something and not reflecting that thing which you received. You, you, you're not doing yourself any good. Pointing to you, pointing to you, and you're not pointing out to, point out to people. And, and it's, it's, it doesn't, it's not fair. Because in Matthew, let's look at Matthew very quickly. Matthew 5, verse 14, 16. Thank you. It says, you are the light of the world. Praise God. It says, you are the light. If some of you remembered from the service, some of you that were around, we, we talked a lot about what light is, how light is very much around about us, how important it is. We have natural light. You have, but this light is talking about, it said, you are the light of the world. It said, a city situated on a hill that cannot be hidden. It said, no one lights a lamb and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So notice that the light is not meant to be kept to self. You don't, you don't hide the light, praise God. It means that if God pours, shines his light on you, you shine your, that light to others, praise God. I think it was, um, I think, I think a couple of, I think it was months back, I think when I think when Pastor Iman was speaking, I think he talked, there was a connection between the light and, and notice that even Jesus coming to the earth, I think John speaks about him, the light of the world, he talks very much about him coming and then dispelling darkness. And he says, darkness could not comprehend this great light, praise God. And, and he, he, he came and, and he was that great light, he died and everything and we now are walking in that light, praise God. We're walking in that light, meaning that he, we have this light to shine it forth. And, and when, when Galatians talks about varied expression of the fruits, this light doesn't, it's not one thing. This light is love. Praise God. And it means that you have this light, you have to shine it forth. Praise God. You don't keep the light to yourself like the, the, the Dead Sea. The moment you, you have the light and then you're just hiding it under, it's, it's unfair. It's really unfair for the next person that needs the darkness of their lives to be gone. Praise God. It's really, it doesn't, it doesn't speak of a God-like nature that you carry. It doesn't speak of the God-like nature that you carry. It, it makes people question the God-like nature you carry because we read that for God to love the world that he gave, praise God, he didn't hold to himself. He didn't hold to himself. And, and as... Pastor Fred was speaking on, and I think the last Sunday and this Sunday, something hit me like, if really God has your heart, he has everything. He has everything of you. So if he has your heart, your wallet will not be too hard to give. Praise God. If he has your heart, your wallet will, you, you will give, you, you, you want to give more than your wallet. Praise God. And you know that what your wallet is not even everything. Praise God. 
And when you sing, I surrender all, you really mean I surrender all. Praise God. So it means that, it means that if, you, if, you, if you have an encounter, your life has to show that you have an encounter. Your life has to express that you have. You, you, I, I say this funnily, and people, I think some of you were like, ah. when, you got, when somebody gets hit by a boss, you know they got hit by a boss. Praise God. You don't guess. You say, maybe, maybe he just got knocked down by a boss. You can see it. There are evidences, there are bruises. If someone has met Jesus, when we talked about Apostle Paul's encounter on his road to Damascus, when he saw, people knew because they knew who he was and they now know they are, they are wondering. They are trying to understand what, what had happened to this person. It can only be an encounter with God that can cause that radical transformation in the life of a person. Praise God. For you to just turn 180 and start going a different direction, it has to be God. And if you say for a fact that you have that encounter, then people should see something different from what they had seen before. Praise God. So, so it's that light shining. Notice that it says that they may see your good works. Every time I read and I see your good works, it's actually not my good works. It's the works of God in my life that you are seeing. Praise God. And then what do they do? They glorify God. And this is where I say there's a flow where your connection to God is what results in that light seeing, that shining, and that love being expressed. And then people see it, and then it goes full cycle. Praise God. And then people give glory to God. Because we cannot share God's glory with ourselves. Praise God. The glory has to go back to Him. Anything people see of your life, every change didn't happen by accident. Is God strategically working something in your life for people to see a dimension of His glory to your life? So, I wonder when people see themselves and then they start saying, I... I. We'll get to that part where people tried to do I, or when people gave the glory to them, instead of them reflecting it to God, they collected it from themselves. It didn't really end well. Praise God. So, we know what the source of divine love is. We know who the source of divine love is. And this is the passage, the passage that we're looking at, or we're anchoring this thing on, is on 1 John 4. 1 John 4. 1 John 4, verses 7. If the media team can help us go there. 1 John 4, verse 7, it says, Beloved, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. Love is from God. So it means that if we're talking about love, the true source of love is not on this our plane. It's from above. And where did Jesus Christ come? He came from the Father. He, the Father gave us a son. Praise God. And that is what the true expression, or that's what what love truly is. It is from God. And everyone who loves, who loves, has been born of God and knows God. Meaning that if you are loving, the source of the love is not from yourself because you don't have a love of yourself that's, that's genuine, that's from you. But it's rather God's love that is being radiated through your life. Praise God. So what is goes further to say is that the divine love connection we have to God will find his way to be expressed. And it's funny, when I was thinking about this, I said, notice that you don't really need to speak the language of the next person to you to express love. It's, it's, not, it's not something that I have to speak a certain language for me to... I can express love in my actions. 
So there are many ways you can express love that is genuine, that is not corrupted. Praise God. That is not as the world perceives or sees it. And that is why we, we say really don't love the source of love itself. And, and let's go look at eight. Which reinforces the fact that the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. So if you're not expressing all, because sometimes we have the things that we call love and then we, we, we project that to ourselves and say this is what love is. But it says if you don't love, it means you don't know who God is. So, so and I think Pastor Custom was saying this evening as well. Understand the fact that your expression of love to the next person is not determined about on how you feel. The problem is that you always not feel like it. Praise God. You don't want to anchor your expression of love on how you feel because your feelings are volatile. They can be one place the next minute, the other place the next minute. Your feeling, your, your, your expression of love is something that you, you, you decide to do because that is it. You're meant to. And, and when, when the Bible, sometimes when we read the Bible, we think the Bible is suggesting to us. It's not a suggestion. It's what is. So if it's telling you to love one another, it's not saying, please try, help, like, try to see that you love one another or try as much as you can. You know it's hard. It didn't, it didn't put it that way. It didn't suggest to us that, yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, people can be annoying, but you just have to, regardless, just try. And it, it, didn't, it didn't put it that way. It's, it's an instruction to you that, and, and meaning that that instruction, to, that instruction to love and your inability to love <laughs> should get you to one place, to a place where you say, God, help me to love this person. Because if you're trying to do it by yourself, you will struggle. Praise God. But if you require God's help and you know, because you know that you need God's help, whether, whether or not it is you want it or because when you know that, you, you know, when you're stuck with someone and you have no choice, where you always see them, they happen to be all, all around you, you know that at some point in time you snap and you know that you need God to help you. Praise God. You know, at some point in time you, you can't, because there are times where you, and we, we, don't, we don't really understand. We, we want to get ourselves to rock bottom before we understand that we really need this God that we serve. Because sometimes we almost, it's almost as if we handpick what we want him to help us to do. And God, um, you, yeah, I can manage this one. You do this one. Yeah, this person is very difficult. Help me with this person. But this person is easy. Let's just go with it. Or the same part, okay, my school fees is very it's big. Just help me with that part. I can manage the house rent. You, you almost will select the ones you want to give to God to help you manage. But he, he's not asking for part. He's asking for everything. So it means that if you have a problem in any area of your life, every part of your life concerns him because he has everything. Praise God. He has all of you. He's not part of you. He doesn't want the bedroom and then he says, okay, you can manage the kitchen or the living room. He wants every part of your life. Praise God. And, and that is what he wants and that's what he desires. And, and the question is, for someone, it's like, how can I establish this connection, this divine love connection? Because in that divine love connection, a myriad of things flows out of it. Notice that the water flows, the water carries life. In Isaiah, in, in Ezekiel, I think it's Ezekiel's um, vision, that water, anywhere, it says anywhere the water reaches, 
there's life. Things grow. So it means that if I have this divine love connection, there are certain things I wouldn't, it's, I wouldn't be, be requiring. It's, it's natural that once the water touches that part of my life, life will spring up. But if I decide to rechannel the, and like, you know, you know this irrigation system, you can choose the parts where to move. And then I decided to say, okay, no, this area, I'm, I'll manage it. Let's just move this area. You notice that life will not permit every, because it says every area. So what it just requires is that contact. That contact. And if you're not connected, you will not have the results. Praise God. So the question is, how do we establish this divine love connection? We're very much familiar and we've heard it so many times and one is abiding one is abiding it's by abiding and john 15 verses 14 let's go to john 15 verses 14 john 15 4 sorry 4 john's 15 4 it says remain in me and i in you just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine. So neither can you unless you remain in me. Praise God. Abiding is not, you know, abiding is not ab abiding in so many things. Abiding in him means abiding in him. Not abiding in him and a couple of other things. Praise God. Abiding in him is abiding in. He says, he's, this is Jesus Christ speaking, he says, in me. And I in you. Meaning that there's, 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 there's a oneness that happens when something mixed with you. You know when you mix stuff together, you, you don't see the other. Depends on the kind of mix, mixture it is. When you mix stuff together, they get lost. Praise God. They get lost in the self. So, so there's, this is the instruction he gives for you to be able to bear fruit. And when... I think the Bible, the Bible calls us, even, in fact, generally speaking, God wants us to bear fruit, right? And I think I was thinking about it and I was meditating on the subject. Notice that, yeah, we have the, the fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits, right? It's not fruits. It's fruit. And, and I think I love the way TBT puts it in his varying, varied expressions, meaning that the, the fruit that you bear is not one-sided. It's not like I love more and then my patience is just, shaky. Then joy. Joy is like 50%. Then, then this one is like, it's not like you, you have them, you, you choose how to grow them. Not that you just put them on you and it grows. Praise God. And it's God that does the increasing according to the area because there are certain areas of your life that will require, because this season you are in, requires a whole lot of work in certain areas. And, and, and certain situations too will require that this area of your life grow for you to experience victory in those areas. Praise God. So it means that abiding in him will ensure that there's fruit. Praise God. Will ensure that there's fruit. And people taste, people eat fruit, right? Because there's the fruits and there's the gifts and all those things are of the spirit. There's the fruit of the spirit and then there's the gift of the spirit. And, and what people first, because if I give you a gift of an apple, which is probably an apple device, if I give you the gift of the apple, it's just for show. I have an apple. But notice that if I give you the fruit called apple, you are going to, it benefits you. Like you eat it, people don't see it, right? People don't see it. You just eat it, it goes into your system, and it's more nourishing 
than the other. Yeah, the other helps you do stuff, functions, helps you do functions. But this other one functions in you because it, it has to work out from something to, in, to yourself. And then it's, it's the results are long-term, if you ask me. The results are long-term. The results of the fruit, because if someone tastes of you, really, it's, you share it. Notice that if, if you have an, the device itself, notice that it's, there's limit to what, how you can share it, praise God. But notice that if, I have, if you have a fruit, you can share it into pieces and everybody can at least have a taste of it, praise God. And there's wisdom in wanting to build that side that people will have an encounter with than the other side where we're not saying that one is unimportant. We don't want to go off the rails. We want, we want to have a balance. But notice that even when he was speaking, he says, the great test, he said, you have this and this and this, and this is the greatest. This has, if, if, the, if the three of them are running a race, love will, will, will come out first. Praise God. And if love will come out first, it means that you should put more importance in that because when people see you, that light of God's love is what they taste of in your actions, in your character. Praise God. And if you have not been with God, they will know. And then the second bit of it is what we'll see in Ephesians 3 verses 17 and 18. Ephesians 3 verses 17 and 18. Media, please. Okay. 3 verses 17 and 18. Praise God. And it says, And that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. See the heart situation? Dwell in your heart, not in your head. Through faith, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend all with all the saints what is the height, the width, what is the breadth, the width, the height, and the depth. Notice that being rooted in something ensures that you, because if a plant is not rooted, the plant will struggle to get nutrients, praise God. And being rooted is a function of a connection but a deepening of that connection. When something is rooted, it's not shallow. It's not on the surface. Praise God. When something is rooted, it goes deeper than the surface. Praise God. And it talks about being rooted and grounded. Grounded. Rooted and have that firm fitting in God's divine love. It's not in anything else but God's divine love. Not in the abilities, not in God's divine love because that is when the nutrients from his divine love will rise up because it always goes up and it will find expression and then there will be fruits. Praise God. And there are dimensions to this love. There are dimensions to this love and there are dimensions to this love that we cannot that, <laughs> that comprehending it comprehending it will require God himself to help you to wrap your head around about these things. And in First John, I think in First John, for I think Pastor Fred drew our attention to the number of no's that are there. No. A-M-K-N-O-W. And I counted like seven on my Bible. I underlined them. There's one in, I think one in verses two. It says, 
by this you know the spirit of God. It says that's the first no. And then there's another one. There are two in six. It says, We from we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. And it says, and it, the last part says, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. For you to know the spirit of truth, you have to know the spirit of God. And for you to be able to distinguish what error is from truth, you have to really know the truth. Praise God. And then in seven, it says, and whoever is born, who has been born of God and knows God, where it keeps repeating the word, no, no, no. Mean that knowing is a function of a connection to some something or someone. Praise God. Knowing is a function of connection to something or someone. In 13, I think 13 is the last, okay, 16 is the last. It says, by this we know that we abide in him. Praise God. We know and then that abiding. We know and abide in him and he in us. Same as before. We know that we abide in him and him in us. Same as, as John 15. And then 16 says, so we come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Know and to believe the love that God has for us. So there's a whole lot, and the whole book has a whole lot of knows, but that's just seven in one chapter. Praise God. So this knowing business is very important. And you don't know in a day. You can't know someone in a day. You know someone through consistently and constantly communication and communicating and communion with them. Praise God. And it's it has a whole lot of to you can't communicate with yourself. And when people communicate with themselves, there's a whole lot of assumptions that happens when you communicate or talk to yourself. Because some people do that a lot, which is not a bad thing. Which is not a bad thing. Because once in a while you ask yourself questions and in fact the Holy Spirit too can give you questions and give you the answers to the questions as well. So it's not a bad thing. But note that you're knowing and, and in fact that's why he encourages us to seek him. Praise God. In Matthew 6, 33, it says, seek first. Not second, not third, not fourth, not fifth, not even last. The kingdom of God and its righteousness and every other thing. And most of the times we get the whole thing in reverse. He says, I love the way he says, and all the things that, and all the things, and all these things will be provided for you. But sometimes we want to provide it for ourselves and then seek him later. We want to flip it do step two and then hope step one will happen. Praise God. Notice that it starts off with seeking him first. And if your priorities are not right, there's a very high likelihood that it's going to spiral down and spiral out of order. Praise God. And seeking him first is very important and this this really drew my attention to the story of the Samaritan woman in, in John 4. And there's a connection that I, I, I see with John 4 because she was Seeking, and in fact, she went to the well, but she ended up seeking. In in John four, let's look at nineteen and twenty. John four nineteen and twenty. John four nineteen and twenty. See, sir, the woman replied. After something transpired between them, the woman replied, "I see that you are a prophet. Yeah, something happened, and then she now could see." She now could see because there was a conversation that led to 
something and then he, he told her a couple of things and then let me just okay let's okay let's just stay stay here they said i see that you're a prophet our fathers worshiped on this mountain yet the jews say that the place to worship is in jerusalem and notice that from her argument is the argument of where to worship right where to worship where to worship and we see that jesus christ flips this argument on his head when he rather than focus on where to worship he went on how to worship because where was causing the problem and he says what is more important is not the location right what is more important is the heart of the individual that wants to worship and then he moves from the where to the how and jesus christ replies her he replies her he replies her saying jesus told her he said believe me woman an hour an hour is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in jerusalem see long term says look this places will not be placed let's go to the next you see you yeah you samaritans worship what you do not know no no worship what you do not know we worship what we do what we do know because salvation is from the jews next but an hour is coming and and is now here an hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth yes the father wants such people to worship him praise god notice that it's not now where he flips it on his head he flips it on the head and he says is how meaning that the attitude of the person worshiping is has to be has to be has to be founded in the person of god that is spirit because effective worship is not it's not very much anchored we're not saying where to worship is important but we're saying what holds more weight is how the individual worships notice that you can come to church and still not be part of the service praise god people come here and they just yeah wonderful service but they were not really engaged with the service itself but notice that when when the heart of the individual is to god when they show up here you don't need to say please eh let's sing clap your, let's pray you know when you start you know when you, you know there's a problem when you start telling people please let's 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 do this please let's be part of the service don't be distracted don't be you know when you know when something is not right when you are trying to it's almost like is a like we're trying to guide and everything but notice that once everybody comes here with that attitude from the door when you step and you sit down nobody needs to you 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 are here for god you're not here for the person next to you the person at your right and your left your focus is on him praise god your focus is on jesus and that's the attitude that is actually the attitude he calls us to because you have an encounter and your encounter you know you know when 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 peter had that incident you know his prayer life transformed not as if it was he was he had communion with god all along he was doing his own thing but when that encounter happened and 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 he lost his sight as i said before he lost his sight but he got solid insight now directly from the most high he got solid insight and changed his his person he changed the person and people who knew him before were confused they were literally confused as to who who is this person that we see now because you persecuted you really persecuted you were persecuting the believers about how 
And it, the only explanation for that is that it could only be God. And I want to I want to draw our attention to something that was very that got my attention. The woman in John 4, that was what led to her saying if Jesus Christ, like she, like she knows, because she said she knows that 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 you're a prophet. Say in fact, she said, I perceive that you're a prophet. And it was in 16. I'd like us to go to 16. John 4 verse 16. It says, Jesus Christ said to the woman, after he challenged her, because the woman came and the woman, he said that, you know, when you feel, you know, most times when we feel that we're at advantage, we tend to, we tend to exercise our, tend to exercise because she felt that I have the thing like I can draw water and then you don't have. And then he says, I will give you water and then she's confused. But notice that when he sold what he was, what he had to her, she said, please give me. And then he said, he said to her, go call your husband. He said, go call your husband. And he, and he told her, and come back here. Go call your husband and come back here. 17. He says, I don't have a husband, she answered. He said, Jesus Christ speaking to her, he said, you have correctly said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, that Jesus said, for you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Praise God. What you've said is true. See, yeah, that then it goes back to where we have started. So notice that if you count the number of husbands she has, how many? Five, she says, and the one you have now, meaning that if you are reading it as, see, the one you now have is, is really not. And, and if you were to scale it on persons she has met, she had met five and now she's speaking to Jesus who, who is the seventh in a sense. So, and, and notice that she had to walk her way from one, five, six, seven to really meet someone that gave her something to be passionate about. Praise God. She walked from one, two, three, four, five, six to now find this one that she, she couldn't help but go tell people. Praise God. She couldn't help but go tell people. And it's, it's funny that when we go seeking for a divine love connection in people, we will just go in and out. Praise God. But once your love connection is solid with God, it changes. It changes what you're looking for in people. Praise God. Because you don't, you don't expect too much from the next person because you expect so much from only one person. Praise God. You expect so much from only one person because he delivers on what he says he's going to give. Praise God. Men will not deliver on what they say and men can over. They use figures of speech. I will give you all. But the only person that can truly give you all is our Lord. And he, 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 his word, you can take it to the bank. Praise God. But some of us, we can say it, but depending on how we felt when we said it and how we feel, when you request of it, that's, that determines whether you get it or not. Praise God. So God is, I think when we started, it says he doesn't, doesn't have, he, he doesn't go back on his word. He's, he says he's the father of light. He says there's no shadow, variance. there's no shadow of turning. It means that if he says something, that thing he said is, is there, 360. Praise God. So, so this woman had this 
thing to see. And it's funny. I think I was, I think some years back I was, and it's amazing. I was, something happened, I think, a lot of years back. So we're talking about how a comma, how a comma can change, can change everything. A comma can change everything. And, and in First John, in First John 5 verses 18, it says, First John, sorry, 4. First John 4 verses 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And an incident happened. I'll tell us the story very quickly, just to, just to, just to, I'll, I'll tell you the story very quickly. So at a wedding event, a lady was meant to read this particular passage, this First John 4, 18. She was meant to read this particular passage, and something happened. Instead of First John, she says, let's read first. John 4.18. You know that, that two things are different, right? They are, they are very different because he said, let's read first. John 4.18. Out of, she was fidgeting and the person now assumed the order. So let's go to first John. Let's go to John 4.18. And we, we are familiar with what is, it says there. So, So at the wedding, it went toss. For you have, and this is the, the lady's supposed friend that was giving the speech. He said, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. <laughs> and the, the, wedding, the wedding took a, I don't know how it ended though, but it took a very interesting turn because coming from the friend, nobody understood that there was a mistake. Now what she was going for was nowhere it landed, praise God. And it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't funny because people are not trying to understand what went wrong. And it's, it's funny that human beings can make such kind of mistakes. And it's, not, it's a mistake that you can, if now I explain that she was fidgeting and, and the person assumed that they had, and you can't take it back because the scripture will probably, if they were projected or it was being read, it's, it has already gone. And then people have read it and they'll be like, this lady is trying to communicate something very important. <laughs> something that we should not look away from. And, and, and it, it really wasn't it. It was just a case of she fidgeted and, and it was first. And then John instead of first John 4.18. And, and I, I said that to say this, that if you, it, it takes a whole level of knowing to be able to, to even when you perceive something that, seem, that seems as though it makes sense, you have to go past how, how it looks into what it possibly will be just by asking and, and relating and finding out. Because sometimes we, we can pick things at face value. I tell you something and you're wrong with it. You didn't hear the full story 360. And you can make a whole lot of mistakes. And sometimes we can take a part of God's love and run away with it. We can take a part of God's love and run away with it. But that is not it. Because if you take the love of God in the Old Testament and build the world around about that love of God, that will not be fair on the complete book of the Bible. Praise God. So it means that we can go to one end or go to the other end, but, but the love of God is full package. It's everything. Praise God. And it means that you have to consistently be walking and walking and following to be able to express or be able to find its roots. And one other thing that helps in this whole thing is that if an individual places their love and their trust solidly on God, it really affects like 
the connection will not be poor, right? If you're speaking connection terms, the connection will not be poor. You have, if you, as it were, with our internet and the rest, notice that if you go out of the range of the internet, are you surprised that you're, the, the things are not connecting? No, it means that if you go out of the reach of God, and no, there's no way you can go with, with either you have a functioning equipment, there's no way you can go to go out of God's reach. Praise God. The bandwidth of his love is far-reaching. The bandwidth of his love is it reaches far. Praise God. So it's you that does decide not to turn on your, your reception, turn it on, turn your Wi-Fi or whatever it is that you use on to receive God's love. And people that have issues with this burden, you know, people that don't know God, I, I saw this somewhere, it says, people that don't know, know God will rather use people and love things. People that know, they will use people, love things. But if a person genuinely knows God, he will love people and use things because that's how it's created to be. I don't know, some people are thinking about it. People that don't know God will use people and love things. They'll be pursuing things because people are not priority to them, praise God. But if you really love God and understand that God created every one of us, he, we are reflections of himself, you will put more value on people you value relationships more than things because those things are here today and gone tomorrow. Praise God. So dealing with people, most of the times, let's lower expectations. It's not, yes, as much as you expect a lot, you will be disappointed because everybody is not in their A game every day. Praise God. But God is always, 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 always in his game. He's always, he doesn't come down 90%. Praise God. So it means that we give, we give a lot to him and, and people will disappoint us, but God never disappoints. And speaking about praises, let's look at something in Acts 14. I would like to do Acts 14. Let's look at, okay, let's look at it quickly. Acts 14, 11. Acts 14, 11. Acts 14, 11 says, when the crowds, Paul and Barnabas, when the, when the crowds saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying, in the um, Lucidian language, it says, the gods have come down to us in the form of men. The gods have come down to us in the form of men. Go to the next verse. And they started to call Barnabas, Zeus, and Paul Hermes because he was like the main speaker. So they had to associate them with something, they think the, the gods that they think they knew. And 13 says, the priest, and then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the temple, brought oxen and garlands to the gates. He and with the crowds intend to offer sacrifice. So they decide to start offering sacrifice to these individuals. And the apostles Barnabas and Paul tore their robes when they heard this and rushed out into the crowd shouting. Notice the response of these individuals. They did not collect it. Rather, what they did was that, see, these people are making a big mistake, a grave mistake. The things that we are doing here is not of ourselves, is from God, and the, 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 the posture of their heart is so that they won't take it. And by default, as human beings, we have a tendency to want to. Let's 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 go down to, let's go down the verse, the fifteen verse. He said, "Men, this is men. Why are you doing these things? We are men also, with the same nature as you." And we are proclaiming good news to you that you should turn from these worthless things to the living God. Back to him. 
who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. 16. In the past generation, he allowed all the nations to go their own way. 17. Although he did not leave himself without a weakness, since he did, since he did good, giving you rain from the heaven and fruitful seasons and satisfying your hearts with food and happiness. 18. Even though they said these things, they barely stopped the crowd from sacrificing to them. Praise God. Notice that the words that were speaking did not even move them. I want us to do, I think, I want us to see a very interesting change in what happened after afterwards in verse 19. Then the Jews, then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium, then some Jews from Antioch and Iconium, and when they had won over the crowds, the same crowds, and stoned Paul, they dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. Did you notice the transition? The so-called gods were now the, the so-called people that they called gods were now the people that they stoned and then they were dragging Paul. They dragged, they dragged him out for death. So you can imagine how people can transit from these people are gods to, to being organized to stone people out. And I'm saying all of this for us to understand that people can can tell you something now, 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 now and you, you know that they, they say that the next minute it will change. Because as I said earlier, we're very bold. Certain things can, somebody can come and tell you something now that changes the way you think about the next person instantly. So it means that if you're going to found what you're doing on human beings, you're very much going to be getting into trouble because you will later find out that this one thing is not the same exact thing. And I want us to go to to Acts 12 and see the similar, Acts 12, see similar situation, different outcomes. Similar situations, different outcomes in Acts 12, 20 to 23. So, and, and he had been very angry with the Tyrans the and the Sidonians. Together, they presented themselves before him and having won over blasters, who was in charge of the king's bedroom, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food from the king's country. So on an appointed day, dressed in royal robes and seated on the throne, Herod delivered a public address to them and populace began, populace began to shout, it is the voice of a god and not of a man. At once, <laughs> at once, the angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give the glory to God, and he gave he, and he became infected with worms and died. And it's it's funny how the two stories seem like it's like it's the same thing. Like they gave and and notice that there's a reason why that happened. And this, anytime I come to this verse, and it just it just tells me of that importance of when God does something for you since we're in the team of thanksgiving God showers his blessings God pours his blessings upon you 
the very first thing you should always consider to do is to give it back to him. Praise God. Just to give it back to him. And when people see your life and they say, oh, Lord, the Lord has been good to you. Yeah. Take the encouragement because sometimes we don't know how good the Lord has been to us till people say it to us. Praise God. But note that you don't carry it on yourself. You give it back to him. Praise God. Remember the, the illustration I taught of the river Jordan coming down to the Dead Sea. There's always that flow. Once there's a cut, and every I, I discover that everything around the world has to do, it goes in circles. Rain. The water from the earth goes up. Condensation, it comes down. Everything, God designed a system where things go in circle. The, the sun moves around the earth. The, the, sorry, the earth moves around the sun. All the planets do the same. Even at this miniature level, the same thing that happens in a big scale. It's not an accident that God creates a system by which things revolve and move. And he's at the center of all of these things. He's at the center. And even Jesus Christ was not left out. These people were saying, Hosanna to the highest. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's Matthew 21 verses 9. They did all these things which was prophetic, which was, in, which was actually in Psalms, in Psalms 118 verses 27. Yeah. It says, and the crowds went out ahead of him, and those who have followed him kept shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, Hosanna. And they did this very quickly. And if you go to Matthew 27 verses 22, it just switched very drastically. Uh-uh. 722, and Pontius Pilate said, what should we do to this? He said, this man you called, he said, who is called the Messiah, they all answered, crucify him. And the question is, which is it the same crowd or a different crowd? In fact, we can't even tell, but just how they moved from one, and guess who they are willing to crucify him, like who they, who they chose over him? It's like, like, you, like if, if you put it, this guy, like, it's notorious. In fact, he was in prison legally. Like, he was meant to be in prison. But here's someone else. And it was funny. When you look at the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just imagine. You, you, pick, you pick the person that everybody agrees that they need to go. They need to be in prison because it's safer for them to be in prison than outside. It's safer for them because the people, the, the, there's a lot, of, a lot of people that are going to be in trouble if they go out. Praise God. So, so notice that the, the, the funny thing is that the person in question is Baabas. That's Baaba, which, which is, which is Ba, his son. Abba, father, son of the father. So his name is son of the father. And on the other hand, is the true son of the father. And then people went for the name. They went for the name over the actual individual, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Praise God. And sometimes, and, and practically, sometimes we can choose what is not over what is. We can choose what is not over what is. And, and when you disconnect yourself from what is and connect yourself to what is not, you will get what is not results. Praise God. You, you, can't, you, you can't be surprised when you are not plugged in and turned when there's a flow, you can't be surprised why there's no power. You shouldn't be surprised. You shouldn't act surprised why it's not happening. Praise God. And if there's anything, I think I saw this illustration. I think I saw it on somebody's status like months ago. They, they, it was like, they, said, they, they put this signpost. They said, keep the light on. It powers the elevator. You know, some people, when you tell them, 
don't do something, you have to give them the reason why. If not, they're going to do it. I saw this video of somebody said, don't touch the... The guy was just moving over and rubbing the wall. They said, please don't touch the wall. So some people are very stubborn. You have to give them a reason. They say, keep the light on because some people want to see what will happen if they turn off the light. They want to see if we turn off the light, what is going to happen now? Will somebody die if we turn the light? So when they said it powers the elevator, you know that you might probably be killing somebody. If you, <laughs> you might probably be killing somebody if you turn off the light. And, and, and I think what hit me was, I, I said, actually, what happens is that once we don't leave the light on, somebody doesn't get to, once in our personal life now, not, not the elevator illustration, once you don't leave that light on, somebody loses an opportunity of tasting of God's love. And, and the love elevator is what that's what I call it. The love elevator, it makes sense to me that it's a love elevator because love really does elevate us. Because Jesus Christ came down to take us up. Praise God. So that now when we die, we don't die as every other person. We don't stay in the grave. Praise God. So and, and when you notice that when you when you express love to someone, you know what you do? You change like they they were down, they, they are now up. They are up, they are now higher. Praise God. So so if there's anything, I, I, I really want us to get to that point where regardless of how we feel, let's desire, I think it was Hebrews, that let's, let's be inventive, right? Let's be inventive in how we want to express God's love and allow people to experience God's divine love. Because if you see you're connected to him, you can't help but shine. You can't help but give taste to tasteless situations. And if there's anything, that's powerful because how then, how then do you explain that you lack love and you have God that is love? It's one of two things. You are not connected or you're just covering it. And covering it, I don't know which one is more wicked. Not having it and say you have it. Having it and covering it and showing that no other person. And when Jesus Christ was saying, say, you guys, you don't want to come through the gate. You, don't, you lock the door and you don't want people to pass. You two, you're not passing. Sin. See, those people can see far, but I don't know why they can't see. Say far, I see. And sad, you see. So, praise God. So, in conclusion, understand that God's divine love is not based on emotions. It's not based on how you feel. Because if it was how he felt, he says even when we're yet sinners, he died. So, how we feel doesn't really, because if he was going to use how he felt, he was not going to come and die. Praise God. But it was beyond how he felt. So, it means for you to very much experience or to taste or to use or to experience God's love. It means that you just have to come within that range where his love will envelop you. And how you do that is by really very much willing and desiring because most times we're within the range where his love can reach us but we choose to ignore it or choose to turn off our turn off our receptive or our, our tools of receptions to, his, to God's divine love. And I'll leave us with this in 1 John 4 verses 19. And I'd like to read it from the TPT. Okay, it says, We love because he first loved us. Let me read it from TPT. It says, Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. Let me read it again. Our love for others is our grateful response 
to the love of God, the love of God first demonstrated to us. I'll repeat it again. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love of God first demonstrated to us. Praise God. I'd like us to close our eyes and say, Father, I thank you for very much demonstrating your love to us in that your, your son, Jesus Christ, came and took our place. He came and took our place. He came and took upon himself what was meant for us, that we may not just have life, but have it more abundantly, that we may not just have life for ourselves, but have it well enough to share it to the next person that is longing to taste of your divine love, longing to taste of your divine power, and you charge us to test all spirits. You charge us to, to see and taste of this love. And you said in John 3 verses, John 13 verses 35, that the proof of the love is the proof of your love is how we love one another and we ask that you will help us to gratefully respond to your divine love by loving others unconditionally, loving others selflessly, not selfishly, loving others without expecting anything in return, not being in the business of, of giving and expecting, but rather being the act of kindness, giving it all out, giving it all out without expecting anything in return, but expecting you to be glorified, expecting all the glory to go up and back to you who had given us and given it to us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your spirit. Thank you for quickening. Thank you for enabling. Thank you for empowering. Thank you for building us up. Thank you for restoring relationships ensuring that we have that divine love connection to you, O oh God, ensuring that we have that divine love connection to you, ensuring that our families, ensuring that people around about us taste of this divine love, taste of this divine love in its purest form, undiluted. Heavenly Father, we thank you because there are people that really are struggling to connect, that are struggling to abide. We pray and I ask that you will help them to be consistent. By your spirit, there's consistency. We ask that you will help us to be consistent, help us to be relentless in our pursuit of you, help us to long every day as the deer panteth after the water brooks. Let our soul continue to long after you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray.